Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, there's a lot of myths about Pittsburgh being the best to do something or the first to do something, like that the world's first drive-in gas station popped up right here on Baum Boulevard in 1913. Is that true? We're asking Brian Butko, the director of publications at the Heinz History Center. It's Monday, December 12th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. So, Brian, paint a picture for us. Uh, what was car travel like uh, back when this golf station opened in 1913? Like, how many people actually had cars and, and where and how did they get their gas? Yeah, we tend to forget that 100 years ago, uh, the world was a lot different. And even though there were cars on the roads, imagine that when the first golf station opened, that there were maybe only say, a dozen gas stations in America at the time. So that means none of that infrastructure was there either that we take for granted. Certainly not highways and interstates, uh, but nothing else either. So it was still very much like setting out onto the prairies once you got outside of a town. And so most people traveled by train. They stayed at downtown hotels. no shopping malls. And it was just the rise then in the late uh, 1800s of, uh, we call it the second industrial revolution, all the products that became familiar, trolleys and department stores and amusement parks. I guess the incline. Right. So all those things that were changing life quickly, aviation, automobiles, and even just the rise of leisure. And so that was looked on very uh, as a waste of time. But workers now had more time, more money and and more ways to spend both. And so they were wanting to buy cars. Yeah. You know, like at that time, it was having a car was a real luxury um, compared to what it is now. You know, more people have cars because it's more of a necessity, um, you know, for a lot of people. So. At that time, when that gas station opened, who who had cars? Who was driving? Yeah, it was definitely the wealthy people that had cars. And even as the Model T got underway, still, that was an awful lot of money uh, when you're earning worker pay. Right. And so that's why the golf placed its station really close to the east end, to the Homewood area and what's now called Point Breeze, where mm-hmm. the wealthy lived. This wasn't this wasn't like the gas stations that we now know. Like you pull up, I'm gonna I got five on on pump ten. <laughs> you know, right, right. Before the gas station, they were going to maybe a blacksmith shop or hardware store. It was uh, quite a task just to get your gasoline. 
So the rumor is that uh, the drive-in station in East Liberty was, was, you know, the first in the country. Whose idea was this and, and how did they choose, yeah, this, this spot in East Liberty? What, what made, I guess, Pittsburgh a great location for this? Well, the rumor <laughs> and the, the story has grown up that it's the first drive-in gas station because even golf fans admit there were gas stations before it in other parts of the country. But this one in particular, the Mellon family owned a lot of uh, that area of East Liberty. And at the turn of the century, it was still pretty much open land, but they started subdividing it and building houses. And um, Baum is kind of a funny road because it wasn't a through street yet. There were a couple ravines without bridges. There was a church blocking it. And so all the traffic went to Center Avenue and that's where the streetcars were. And so Baum actually was known, uh, that's where the horse trade was. People would mm-hmm. take their horses and buggies. And in the winter, they wouldn't even clear the snow because people loved racing their horse carriages on Baum. But a funny thing happened around 1910. Well, over at the West End where it meets Craig, that's where Luna Park was. And Luna shut down. And so they started building some auto-related businesses there. And the rest of Baum, the bridges were built and cars started uh, now driving on the road. And it became what's known as Automobile Row, which every major city seems to get that settlement of automobile businesses. Well, if you connect the dots, the Mellons owned the land. Uh, The Mellons were the main backers of Gulf Oil, which had formed a few years earlier. Hmm. And so a couple other stations were opening around town. And it was pretty obvious to Gulf that, well, here's the future of gasoline retailing to actually have a station to sell it to people instead of them going to their uh, hardware store or even a drug store. Now there's a station devoted just to gasoline sales. We do still have, um, you know, some of that that automobile row on Baum Boulevard. There's still a couple of, you know, uh, shops, car shops, auto shops left there. How big of a deal was this, like, at the time, locally or nationally? Like, were there gas stations popping up all over places? Because I remember personally during the early months of uh, the pandemic when people thought there was going to be a Sheets coming to Oakland and people lost their minds. So was this, you know, as big a deal in 1913 as as it would have been in 2020? Well, it's hard to say how well people reacted to it because newspapers just didn't concentrate on that sort of thing. And so like my research with Kennywood, they would get new rides every year in 1910, 1915, and newspapers would barely give it a mention. Again, it, that whole idea of wow. leisure time yeah. just wasn't respected. It was seen as frivolous. But certainly, from what we can tell, this was welcomed and golf uh, was proud of it. By the 1930s, they were running ads reminiscing about their important first station and Mm -hmm. making fun of how strange it was that people were going to drive up onto a sidewalk because, of course, their gasoline station was in a triangle of land. But what my research uncovered from this is that there were other stations in town. And in fact, there were other drive-in stations in town. 
And uh, the most interesting thing was there was a little story about one in June 1913, six months before the Gulf one. And luckily, they included a picture in the Pittsburgh papers. So a couple of weeks ago, I took a ride on Bigelow Boulevard, and there's the building still there. So there's literally really? a drive-in gas station older than the Gulf one that claims to be the first driving gas station, and it still exists up on Bigelow Boulevard. The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom-inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus, a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique, from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. If there was at least one gas station older than the one on Baum, uh, one that Pittsburgh could claim, how'd this one end up getting the credit for being the first uh, driving gas station? That is a, a great question. Uh, well, I think two reasons. One is that while the other companies folded, Gulf endured and grew mm. to be a you know, multinational conglomerate. So they got to write the history and they had the fan base and so many tens of thousands of workers in Pittsburgh alone that the uh, story endured and the knowledge of it endured. Although from what I can tell, uh, that first station maybe only lasted 10 years before they knocked it down and replaced it with their new style station yeah. in the early 20s. And um, I think the other reason is, and this is what uh, golf and its fans always promoted, that it was still a special station in that it took all the ideas swirling around at the time and packaged them into one convenient outlet. So, for example, it had an overhanging roof. So in case it was raining and the cars were open, you could pull up and still get gas out of the weather. They opened up the restroom to the public. They went 24 hours. Within months, they came up with the idea of giving away free roadmaps. Wow. All the other services were free. So if you bought tires or oil, um, they wouldn't charge for the installation. Oh, those were the good days. Yeah. So all those little things that seem maybe minor or obvious or take it for granted at the time were all pretty revolutionary. And so I liken it to how Edison didn't invent the light bulb. They were there 10 years beforehand, but he invented switches and plugs and the power station, the way to make it accessible to the public. And that's what this golf station did. So maybe we could call it, say, the first 
architect designed drive-in gas station. Yeah. Was it was it weird for people at first, like who weren't used to pumping their own gas? How did golf spread the word about this station and teach people how to use it? Yes, apparently, even though they had brand new gas pumps, which were revolutionary at the time where you could just put the nozzle in your tank, apparently people weren't used to it. And golf instructed the workers to still take that hose and fill a bucket which would then be poured into the car because that's what people thought was normal. Were there a lot of accidents at this time involving gasoline? You know, there's um, none attributed to that station. But, uh, yeah, there were a lot of explosions around gas stations and plants at the time. Again, it's an era that we look back on as simpler, but a lot more deadly. Mm -hmm. When did gas stations start to become... um a little bit more like widespread throughout both Pennsylvania, but the country. Oh, really quickly by, uh, I have the figure in my story. I think it's by 1920, which would be just over six years later. Uh, there were, I think there were 15,000 gas stations. So Mm -hmm. the idea that that Gulf one, uh, gave to other companies just quickly, I was going to say exploded. Maybe that's the wrong word for gas stations. What actually happened to the station? Because it, it doesn't exist anymore. Do you know when it went out of business? Yeah, well, when its 100th anniversary came in 2013, and the Post-Gazette did an article when they interviewed me briefly, a woman contacted me after that with pictures of her family that had owned the station there. And when you look closely at their pictures, it's the second-generation golf. So apparently by 10 years later, the station had been bulldozed and replaced by golf's newer, uh, more square-looking brick station. Yeah. Um, And I promised her then I would uh, eventually do the research to write the article. It took me uh, nine years. Yeah. But there's a couple pictures, again, my blog from her of uh, the station once her family bought it uh, in the 1940s. And then in the 50s, it was probably knocked down. It became a used car lot. The station may have been there for a while. But from anyone that I've talked to, no one remembers it being there. So it's probably been gone 50, 60 years or more, uh, and it's been a parking lot. But every once in a while, when the concrete gets old, you can kind of make out the lines of the old driveways for the station. Why do you think uh, this myth about the the Bomb Boulevard gas station still persists? Well, I think Pittsburghers have uh, pride and <laughs> love to be first. And um, perhaps this is a time for uh, my favorite Pittsburgh joke of how many Pittsburghers does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Two. One to change the light bulb and one to reminisce about how good the old one was. Oh, man. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. And so with this, (laughs) this golf station has been gone 100 years, and every year the posts still roll out celebrating it uh, as if we all played a part in it. But, um, you know, that's also the fun part of Pittsburgh. Brian Butko is an author and the director of publications at the Heinz History Center. We'll drop a link to his article on our city's complicated claim to gas station fame in our show notes. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. If this conversation has you gassed up, 
Tomorrow, we're asking which end of the state has the best gas station food. We're debating Sheets v. Wawa with our CityCast Philly fam. So check that out. A little more news before you go. Pittsburgh's own Wiz Khalifa is something of a cannabis icon. I feel like he's like Pittsburgh's, you know, Snoop Dogg when it comes to that. The rapper has long advocated for legalizing marijuana and even created his own line of medical marijuana products called Khalifa Kush. The Alderdice alumni is stopping at True Leave in Squirrel Hill today to promote his new business, which sells whole flower products, vapes, tinctures, topicals, and ingestibles. And local farms have been having it rough from the pandemic supply chain issues to the older generation retiring. But Chatham University is trying to lighten the load by training aspiring farmers on how to create multiple sources of income. The 12-week class is part of a new cash cow program funded by a grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. We hope this show fuels you to tell your friends about us, leave a review, and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you soon. You can't see that on the audio, but uh, <laughs> I am fancy.